0: Welcome back, everybody, to the District Download. This is Bill DeMay, joined by Mateo Sina. Uh, hey there. Back. What's up? How are you? Uh, keeping it together, living to see another day. Yeah, you know, it's D.C. for you. It's the middle of a bunch of chaos going on with everything from budget reconciliation uh, to debt ceiling debates. In other words, it's just Monday. So,
1: I want to propose a D.C. holiday where it's, uh, it's like New Year's, but with the fiscal New Year.
0: Yeah, no, I saw that on uh, one of the Finstead accounts that DC has, like one of the Mm -hmm. places up at DuPont had a champagne sign. uh, To all the acquaintance, we forgot it's our budgetary year. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds like you you were at that party, man.
1: Possibly. It was a (laughs) wild Saturday.
0: Yeah, and it's happy fiscal year. I mean, can you really be happy about the end of the fiscal year? I mean, some people can, but I mean... To others you know it's just hell awaiting them in the other side but enough the fiscal year we're coming to you for a very special bonus episode today today we're going to be dating ourselves a little bit by interviewing the head of the college republican federation here in washington dc brady marzen um mateo and i uh we've been out of college for a few years mateo how many has it been for you It's been about
1: three yeah yeah about three yeah from 2018 been... yeah so three so three yeah three in may
0: and it's been four for me so wow um, what, what's the old adage uh you know age are old beauty yeah you're old and sad yeah i'm old and sad i'm washed up you know <laughs> so... <laughs> but you know who's those who washed... can't
1: do podcasts
0: <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> but you know who's not washed up brady mars and so now
1: he's young fresh-faced
0: He is. But before every episode, before you get to hear from him, I just want to say with every episode, the views and opinions expressed during today's episode are our own, and in no way represent the views, opinions or policy positions of our respective employers. This is meant to be a free exchange of topics relevant to YRs and CRs based here in the DC area, and beyond. So we got a great bonus episode for you guys today. Uh, And without further ado, let's get to the interview. Tonight, friends, we've got a fun episode for you. Matteo and I here, even though we're not in college, we're going to be dating ourselves a little bit, going back and talking a little bit about what life is like right now and the college Republicans here locally in Washington, D.C. Uh, I'm proud tonight to introduce our guest. He is Brady Marzen, uh, Georgetown University class of 2022, which means he is a current senior in his last year of undergrad. His major is international politics international security he's a former white house intern graduate of regis high school in new york new york and he's the chair of the dc Federation of college republicans brady welcome to the podcast
1: yeah thank you for having me
0: gentlemen i appreciate it we're happy to have I'm you also so
1: only three years out of college by the way <laughs>
0: sir hey hey bill i'm I'm, <laughs> I'm four here all right i'm feeling <laughs> i'm feeling the heat like yeah. i'm now farther out of college than i am Closer to college, which is really dating me. Haven't found any gray hairs yet, thank God, but there will come a day where that happens. So
1: my my mother pointed out exactly one in my eyebrow, and I've been living with that knowledge for a couple months now.
0: Hello, darkness, my, it's my old, friend. old friend. You two are scaring me at this point. I gotta, <laughs> I gotta head out here. <laughs> hey, Brady, it gets worse. Oh, you're in the hot seat, friend. Now, but we're gonna. We're going to get to know you right now. So Everything we said
1: before this episode was a lie. It gets worse, Brady. <laughs> let's
0: do it. Let's jump in. We're throwing you right into the deep end, but let's get to know you a little bit. Tell us a little bit about yourself.
2: Yeah, for sure. I'm a New York native coming down to D.C., so city to city there, which was a nice transition. Uh, came into Georgetown in a school foreign service there, which I love. It's a really interesting mix of theory and policy, right? So you really get your hands dirty going into DC, doing the work, which is fascinating. And then, you know, wonderful family back home, uh, mom, little sister, dad's down in uh, Florida and uh, you know, snowboard, big Cold War history buff. Uh, that's me. Yeah. Off to Georgetown Law next year when I graduate, I'm going to go class 25 out of Georgetown Law School there. And it's been a good run. I've been blessed.
0: That sounds like a good run. It sounds like you've been keeping busy too. Um, and let me just say, before we continue on uh, go Friars, uh, I'm a proud Providence College graduate. And I know when Biggie season gets gets serious, Brady and I, we may not no, we may no longer be friends, but uh, <laughs> getting that out the way uh, go are recording
1: this in October for a reason. Exactly. If if the Big East is anything like it was last year, the Hoyas have nothing to worry about.
0: Oh, oh, but you know,
2: all the best, all the best to the Friars.
0: Look, we got robbed (laughs) out of a Big East championship. Let me tell you, because of the pandemic, we were on a hot streak like we haven't seen in over a decade, but transitioning. Oh, yeah. No, basketball. Yeah, we were. Uh, Yeah, I know. (laughs) Go
1: Lakers. (laughs) Idiot. (laughs)
0: so so brady brady tell us a little bit about the moment or the series of moments that got you involved in republican politics um was it something that came up accidentally or is this something that you knew you wanted to do um tell us a little bit more about that
2: yeah it's a mix mix deliberate and accidental so I, i came down to college knew i wanted to work a school foreign service i was set to go state department cia fbi right i wanted to work in eastern europe picked up russian as a language which i'm studying right now And then I had this gradual shift where in my time in D.C., time at college, I had some opportunities to work on the domestic political side, and I got to see there were enough problems at home that looking out and I said, hey, I want to help Americans solve American problems right?" and work with people who are suffering here, who are struggling with problems here, and say, hey, how can we do politics better? And that's really what the shift was over maybe two years, saying, "You know, I love foreign policy. I'm interested in it. There's a ton of work to be done in that arena, but I felt called to get some work done back home.
0: So that's interesting that you really took a keen liking to international affairs before you really got involved in local politics. Um, before you started, you know, uh, it seems, sounds like that your political career really began as a CR. Uh, so I know we've got some questions about your experience with the CRs here in uh, the city. Uh, tell us just a little bit about what the, Repub- the college Republicans are.
2: Yeah, well, we've tried to make it in the past few years, and it's been a deliberate shift is to build this community of students who share conservative values, right? We can disagree on the politics, on the issue of X, Y, Z, but if we share a common set of values around decency, right, around critical thinking, around you know certain values that the party supports, we can get together, we can do really good work on the political end, right? It actually lets us build and grow as a group, but then we can also get together and do things that are more social, right? And say, hey, how do we get a team aspect in politics? How do we build trust at, at a campus That is fairly liberal. right? I love Georgetown. It's a great school. But end of the day, it does lean left on a lot of things, especially on the admin side. And so saying, hey, how do we get this mix has been really productive.
0: And it's also a Jesuit university as well. And they're typically more liberal in terms of the religious orders out there, especially the ones that focus on education.
2: They're they're an interesting mix because they get some things that are really pro-life. Right. But then you flip it and they're really you know, loose on immigration and, and very pro-environmental, as a lot of folks should. Well, be, that, is
1: so, that is sort of classic Catholic political yep. structure. <laughs> yeah.
2: And so it's what you emphasize. And,
1: and it's
2: it's a fantastic institution. I Let me just take my Georgetown. rosary out
1: from <laughs> under my shirt. There you go. There you go. <laughs> uh, speaking of that, uh, how, how many CRs are there at Georgetown, roughly? Either, either literal college Republicans or what percentage of the campus is is right of center?
2: Yeah, so we had our first general body meeting a few weeks ago. Uh, I'm the president of CRS right now. And we had about 90 people come out, which was a great return to campus, you know, huge venue. They actually put us in the wrong room. Originally, so we get there, there's a class going on. And we had to march 90 of us across campus to our other room where they reassigned us. And so we had this huge walk and got to go. But really, we had a Labor Day picnic that got 60 folks. So we're somewhere in that range. But then our you know people who say they are Republican in our records who are listed as members is about 250.
1: Uh, what have been what have been some of your favorite aspects of being a college Republican?
2: Yeah, I've I really love the chance to engage with the other side. That's been my favorite part. Cuz you become sharper in your arguments when the campus is probably somewhere between 80-20 and 60-40 uh, left right. And so when most people don't agree with you, you have to know what you're talking about. Right? And so that has really been exciting where I feel like I have a better grasp of the issues and you see the other side more. Yeah. And so I think a big problem we see in our politics is that you just don't have that crossover. And being a college republican on a college campus forces you to engage critically and seriously with the other side and say, "Hey, I get where you're coming from, but here's why I think we're right." I
1: will I will put a lot of republicans out there on blast cuz I'm I'm from California originally, Los Angeles, and I I agree. You know, living have, having to live in a world where you need to wrap your head around the concept that no matter what you do, Democrats will exist does kind of change your approach to things because I went to school in Texas and you know I love them uh, and Texas Texas isn't as red as people it, it's it's uh it's not a swing state but it's close enough where you meet other people you know I I know Republicans that lived in deep red Alabama and it's like I have informed my worldview never having met anyone that has ever disagreed with me it's kind of like hey you're needed but there's it's good to be able to think on your feet
0: there's certainly different brands of republican politics too and of course there's the urban republican republican politics are out there like yankee brand of republican politics that i I grew up with um so you you make a great point in that you know this is the opportunity for obviously debate conversation at least while you still can Uh, i know in previous episodes we've had um guests come on to talk a little bit about the status of free speech on college campuses. So um, can you tell us a little bit about uh, the status of free speech at Georgetown University's <laughs> campus, uh, as well as just the overall federation of college Republicans here in DC? Yeah, Georgetown has done a really good job, I-, I think, mostly, where you get maybe
2: 5%, 10% of students who are just really going to be in your face for your beliefs, and that, that's a shame. But the vast majority of campus has an attitude of, hey, I think this I'm in DC, I'm engaged. I know why I believe what I believe and I understand why you believe what you believe. And the real hub of that on we have at Georgetown that's rare I think for colleges is we have a dedicated Institute of Politics that is bipartisan, that elevates civility, that elevates real cross-partisan conversation. And they've brought in everyone from Paul Ryan and Bob Lighthizer, right? Trump's trade, trade rep over to Bernie Sanders. And, and then they brought in, you know, Liz Warren Right. They had a, a climate caucus where all the Democratic primary candidates came in, but then they'll just as easily host Mick Mulvaney, right, former Trump chief of staff, or Trey Gowdy, right, former congressman. And so you get this really fascinating combination of people where you can go and you can engage with these people who agree or don't agree with you, but do it in a way that you respect the other side, that you really try and form some level of agree to disagree, but I still like you as a person. And that, that's what we're losing, and that's a shame.
0: And do you think Georgetown University is the exception right now or the rule right now in terms of other college campuses across the country?
2: Unfortunately, more the exception. And I think we are that way in part because the average knowledge base of the student about politics being in D.C., right? everybody is working on the Hill or has worked on the Hill or is working at a think tank. And when you're just at that level of it and you're engaged and you're really pushing for it, it's harder to demonize the other side in a way that if you're not as engaged, right. And not everyone should be engaged in politics in that sense. You don't have to be, there's other things that are important, but Georgetown in that capacity, it creates better discussion and it creates less personal discussion, which is really nice. Other schools though. I mean, even in the DCR, I know American university really struggles with CRs over there, just constantly their student government won't fund them. And they say, Hey, you know, we're overwhelmingly liberal student government and we just aren't going to fund you for partisan reasons. Right. We've been able to avoid that at Georgetown and really kept it in the admin side, non-discriminatory for the most part. And then in the practice of the student life, it's, it's not been a real problem, which is good. I think,
1: well, that's it, was, good to hear. I think it was someone like, it might've been Barry Goldwater who said something to the equivalent of the best way to win minds in politics is to meet people that disagree with you and just be a normal person (laughs) um i am obviously grossly paraphrasing and probably misquoting but it's 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 definitely easier to win to win people over to your side to to reach out to them and just say hey i'm a normal person we're friends we've grabbed a drink but this i just disagree on some policy issues
2: back when i was a freshman we you know a big problem i saw on campus that People who wanted to engage well just did not know what the Republican Party believed, right? They go, oh, you pro-life, is that because you hate women? And not trying to be snarky about it, but just had never met someone who was pro-life, right? Or, oh, you're pro-free market, is that because you really just don't like the little guy, right? And just had never been exposed to that different worldview. And so something I did was I founded a newsletter that would aggregate what I thought were the best conservative arguments in national published media right, take Washington Examiner and After Review, put it in a newsletter and share it. And that caught, like, wildfire on campus, right? We passed, like, 500 subscribers in two years. It was a huge, really well-run newsletter. I got a team together, and they put out some great work. And, where right, students want to know what the other side believes, but I think our party has not done everything it could do to seriously engage. And we're losing people who would otherwise agree with us.
1: I remember uh, when I was an intern back in DC uh, a number of years ago, I was talking to this guy who was very, very liberal. And we were talking about healthcare. And health, I'm not a policy person, my, my racket is comms. That's why I'm here with the microphone. But uh, I, I used to do comms for like national security people. <laughs> healthcare is not my forte. Uh, and we got into the healthcare debate. And I was like, I just said, hey, listen. Full disclosure, healthcare is not my policy expertise. I don't feel, I can talk about it basically, but I don't feel super comfortable getting into like the nitty gritty. And he was like, oh, is that because you hate poor people? And I'm like, well, that's not what I said, Ooh. dude. <laughs> what are you doing?
2: Yeah, and that's that's what Georgetown, what the student body is really good about is they're not trying to jump down your throat and they're not trying to get one over on you for the most part, right? Some people are, but by and large, those people are, are,
0: the exception, not the rule. Got it. So and just to kind of synthesize what you're saying, basically, it's up to Republicans, especially on college campuses to go out, make that effort to go where the people are, and talk about their perspective of where they're coming from. Is that what you're arguing?
2: You know, I'm about as Republican as you get, right? Head of the college Republicans, worked in the White House, worked at the Heritage Foundation. And I've not Long been white man. seriously harassed. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Big time. Uh, blue eyes. Right. You can run down the, the list. They're Irish kids. Uh, but what you know, I've never been really yelled down. And I think that and I know other people have not been yelled down. And if you engage in a way that's respectful, that's thoughtful, that's constructive, you can really avoid the nastiness that a lot of college campuses are seeing.
0: It takes a lot of work, but. I mean, sounds like you're doing a good job over there, but I want to go for our next session because this is our back to school special. I know we're doing this in October, but we really wanted to kind of get a pulse on what's going on in terms of just being back uh, on college campuses, which sounds like it's pretty productive, but I want to go back a little bit. Um, So we've had a few DC area Sierras come to the podcast previously uh, to recount their experiences as a college student, not able to be physically present on campus for in-person instruction. So I'm curious to know a few things. Uh, can you recap your personal experience as someone had to go through a year of virtual school? So again, n- you know, not able to see your friends, uh, virtual instruction over zoom. We all are zoom experts at this point. Uh, I know we're all sick of zoom meetings at this point for our work, but can you, can you elaborate? Can you provide a little bit more of a perspective of that from yourself?
2: Yeah, definitely. It, it, it was, it was a loss, right? Cause you get so much out of college by being on campus, by being with people. Especially when you're in DC and you're there to get your hands on it and go out and work in DC. And that's something you deliberately selected into when you were going to the college. And so that that was too bad, right? We we did lose that. And I think the Georgetown admin could have handled parts of the pandemic response better, what they did, right? They opened up later than a lot of other schools. They opened up with stricter guidelines than a lot of other schools. But, you know, as much as there was a silver lining, which you know, debatable, but it did give more flexibility into the schedules of students where all of a sudden you could take courses asynchronous, which meant class happens at normal time right 11 p 11 a.m. on a Tuesday right and 11 11 a.m. on a Thursday but instead of going to that class you can watch that at night and so i got to work a full-time job which i got to pick up a full-time job go work for the duration of that pandemic in a way i would not have been able to had we been in normal school session i know a bunch of kids who followed that same road and said hey as rough as this situation is, let's make the most of it. And I think that was the spirit that helped get a lot of people through. That said, I think everyone is happier to be back on campus just for a thousand reasons. Right. And we're seeing that now, which is nice.
0: And that ties in nicely with my next question, which you've somewhat already answered. But do you think college students coming out of the pandemic are better off or worse off?
2: There, I'll start with the benefits and go to the harms. So the, the benefit, no, the flexibility, right, the fact that we can do a podcast like this over Zoom is great. That that really was not as easy before and not normalized, I think, at all in the past where I can work a remote internship and I can work, you know, talk with someone halfway across the country, right? I can call up, you know, get up, a, get a meeting, a Zoom call with the head of the Arizona Federation of College Republicans and do that in 30 minutes and get a big group together. That wasn't possible before. And so it's let the cross-country and the cross you know, state line party communication, I think work a lot better. But then the flip side back back to college, I think a lot of students rightfully so came out with their mental health in a worse spot than when they went in, right? That is the single biggest impact I saw. I know a ton of people who are coming out of it, you know, higher levels of anxiety, more stressed out. They feel like they lost a year of learning, right? In my Russian class, I I take Russian, I'm on the four-year fluency track. And I feel like I lost a huge chunk of what I would have learned last year, just because you're online. And it became so difficult to really get the conversation, the reading aspects that you need to hit that goal. And so there were parts that were lost. The learning was lost in a lot of ways. The student experience, right? If you're a student who was deeply involved in a sorority or fraternity or any any student group, you lost that community for a year. And you can't get it back and you've only got it four years. And never mind the people of the year above me, the seniors who graduated last May who lost their entire senior year, right? Who lost homecoming, who lost the football games, who lost the chance to go see Georgetown uh, crush it in the Big East tournament, right? There, there you
0: go There you go again, all right. Yeah, yeah. I'll give I, you this one pass. Got to make
2: sure I get that point out. <laughs> but that that was a real loss, and there was nothing that could have been done about that, really, given given the national situation, but it was terrible. It was terrible all the same.
0: Yeah, it, it, not an easy situation, and I know Mateo and I empathize with you. Just you know, how the fact that we we've been out for a little while, you know, I a little bit more than Mateo as we've established, but uh, <laughs> but we we empathize with you in the fact that you only get four years to a have a full year, yeah. year and a half, or some uh, get that robbed oh, away yeah. from you. That experience is tough, especially too, just you know, j- juggling everything. But it sounds like y'all have come out of it strong. Uh, Now that you've had all these major events coming back to D.C., uh, especially with your first happy hour uh, a few weeks ago, which which sounded like a success. Can you tell us a little bit about more than that before we shift to our next topic? Yeah. So this was for the D.C. Federation
2: of College Republicans, which is the Georgetown GW Catholic and and American. So four universities. And that organization has existed for, I think, 10 years, but had never had, at least to my knowledge, an in-person event of any kind, even pre-pandemic. And so I'm, I'm the new chairman there, came in in June. And so we just, first semester back, and our board looked and said, hey, why don't we get some in-person events going? And so we found an, an 18 plus bar in DC and said, hey, anyone who wants to come out, come out. We'll have a happy hour. It'll be a good time. You'll get to meet people who share your values at different schools and let's see how it goes. And it was great because we had no idea what the turnout would be going into that. And so we got there, and I walk up to the hostess. I said, Hey, we think we might have an event kind of happening tonight. And we have how many people? We don't know. Uh, do you want to sit, stand? Uh, we'll stand by the bar. We, we don't know. And so then we get there, and it starts at five o'clock, and about 510, there's maybe 10 of us in there, and 520, that jumps up to 30, and then it's getting up about 60. 65.
0: Well, it sounds like a success and follow up to that. Uh do you plan to have more of those type of events? Uh bring CRs from across the city and now that all four of your chapters are all back pretty much in full-time instructing instruction learning. Yeah,
2: and and we we already had a second brunch. So we had a brunch the next week and we're hoping to do two a month give or take and that second one hit similar numbers, which was perfect. But you know, I got lucky I'm, I'm the chair which means I'm the liaison between these four chapters and the other chapter chairs are just active engaged they want to be a part of this effort and so it really has made my job is say, hey do you guys want to help us support a social event or help us put together a newsletter which we did or help us do phone banking or a deployment down to Virginia and that's been uniform yes you know everyone's working in good faith everyone has a sense of the mission right you hear about politics being a team sport and they're just doing that it's amazing
0: That sounds amazing. Sounds like there's a lot of unity, but sounds like also this summer, there wasn't a whole lot of unity uh, at the College Republican National Committee's convention. Seamless Uh, transition. Seamless transition. I'm getting better at those. Uh, Yeah, beautiful. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So just for quick recap, this summer, the College Republican National Committee held its summer convention over Zoom. Uh, much to a lot of angst and just you know just in general as we've said before everybody's sick of zooms it garnered a lot of attention from right-leaning media outlets particularly the national review uh for some controversy going on uh within the organization uh especially in terms of the uh, chairman's race the election that took place can you quickly recap for those who may not be familiar especially our older members and listeners what happened and just what went down this summer
2: yeah, absolutely. And, and correct on the characterization, there were two major candidates who were running for the for the top spot. You had a lady named Courtney Britt, and you had a gentleman named Judah Waxelbaum. Uh, I know both of them. They're both good people. They're both work hard, both smart folks. And the trouble came, each state has to send in essentially an application to get delegates for this convention. Every state gets three delegates, more or less. And you ran into a problem. You know, contentious election, divisive election, right? A lot of controversy on on all sides, and it was close. It was a really competitive election throughout. And you get to this credentials meeting that was about a week before the national convention, so that was July, I think, eleventh, and the election itself was July seventeenth. So you really, you know, close in. And that credentials meeting, for whatever reason, over ten states had their delegates thrown out, either in whole or in part, and. I believe it was uniform thrown out among states that had endorsed Judah. And the exact technicalities on why that happened aren't known, right? And so there's been a lot of controversy over why states like Florida, Texas, California, some of the largest federations, lost their ability to be represented at the national level.
1: Now, thankfully, the D.C. Federation managed to hold on to its voting power and managed to be a a very vocal participant in the uh, leadership fight. Uh, why did DC almost lose its voting power?
2: Yeah, it was it was a tough. Uh, so the way we had done it is, is, I came in late, so I got elected in June. So about le- little classic less than a month politician blaming it on the press. <laughs>
0: classic a, politician. No, I he
2: left me with a golden scene. And I was it was my job to not drop the ball in the final stretch. Uh, the last chairman was incredible. Shout out Hunter. he's a good I came guy. Late June. Hunter's a great guy. Hunter's amazing. Uh, Couldn't have higher praise for him. But we come in in June, and we have to make a decision to endorse Judah or to endorse Courtney. And our chapter chairs are split. And so what we did, my call was to say, we're going to have a convention, a mini convention, where we're going to invite Courtney in for half an hour, invite Judah in for half an hour. We're going to let the chapter chairs vote and see see who wins that vote. And Judah ended up winning it. But out of respect to Courtney for giving us her time, we didn't publicly endorse. We didn't make a big deal about it. We said, hey, our votes are going to Judah. We respect both of them. We thank both of them for coming in. And that's how we're going to run it. It's fair. Relatively no nonsense in that respect. Classic. So I think part of it was, was that at the by the credentials committee meeting at the national level later on that month, we had not been as vocal in our support for Judah as other states that had to you know, turn out. Which is a shame that that was the deciding factor, but I, th- I think that was in a lot of cases. But also, we had a uh, you know, former CR who came in at the national level from DC and he testified against our chapter. And so, in the meeting, I, I wasn't in the meeting and I got a call from someone who was and said, Hey, you have to get on here. There's a guy from one of your four chapters who's saying you're illegitimate. And you, you shouldn't be the chapter head, and your delegates get thrown out. And so I had to run in. I was actually at a family reunion. So I ran in off the beach and it was in a t shirt, sunburnt, you know, run in. And you get there, and I motion to testify, and they call on me. And they got, a, I think, an actual lawyer. So it was a pretty official proceedings, all, all things. And I have my camera off. We're on Zoom. And it gets Chairman Marzen. Can you turn your camera on to testify? I cannot. <laughs> I cannot testify, or I cannot. I cannot turn on my camera, but I can testify, and they let me let me talk. And the people who were calling us out just had no case, right? My election had been done full procedure again. Credit to Hunter; he'd really kept the letter of the law. it been a fair election, and so there was just no challenge that we were a legitimate chapter. We had, we had active. Uh, local groups and so we survived the challenge where a lot of other states unfortunately did not and, and now it was just okay.
1: for for posterity again for the people not uh following this super closely what was the actual outcome of the convention
2: yeah so courtney won mm-hmm. i think 61 delegates to 48 i believe was the final total and every state gets three or four and so there's been a lot of of you know, distaste in some folks now is saying, "Hey, if the states that lost delegates who had endorsed Judah had gotten to vote, would this have turned out differently?" It's a real debate, right? And I, I'm not, you know, I don't think this was Courtney who who did this, but that's a debate too, and it's a fair one. And so I think she's done a great job in her current role. You know, she came in inherited a tough situation, right, where the chapters were, you know, the state federations were very much split. But I think she's doing a good job, and you know, she's set in the right tone, trying to say, "Hey, you know." We don't have time for these internal divisions, right? No reason to relitigate the past and say, yeah, we got work to do. Let's get on it. And that's good.
0: So, you kind of already answered our next question, which was just a little bit about the state of the CRNC uh, and the current leadership. Um, you know, and also to just as you mentioned before, um, there's, a, all these problems are going on. There's a few federations that have voted to uh, secede, uh, putting that in air quotes. I don't know the exact term for that uh, from the CRNC. Right. You got uh, can you tell us a little bit more about the, just the general state of the CRNC now that we're a few months past the convention?
2: Yeah, I mean, we lost we lost some big chapters, right? Like New York, I, I know, voted to leave. Puerto Rico just voted to leave, and over that election and saying, hey, we were not happy with how things were conducted. And we felt like our voice wasn't heard at the national level. And so we're going to take it a different way. Right, I, uh, we didn't make that call in DC for a bunch of reasons. We said, hey, you know, I know, and, and like Courtney, I think she's going to do a good job, um, even though we supported Judah, right, kind of either candidate, both of them were really good. But we looked at it and said, hey, you know, we're right next to Virginia, we're right below New Jersey there's enough work to do in competitive elections that we're not gonna spend our time debating the past, right? I, you know, I don't think there's anyone in, in the college Republicans who gets involved in the college Republicans to hash out credentials committee, parliamentarian debates, right? And so if that's not what our members are here to do, as the chairman, I'm not gonna lead us in that direction. And so I said, hey, we'll, you know, we'll play ball, we'll act in good faith, we'll focus on the local or at the DC level and really put our time and energy into making that a strong community and an effective political organizing community, right? How do we help Republicans win?
0: Right. And we're going to ask you a little bit about Virginia, because obviously that's the the top of everybody's mind. Same with New Jersey as well. But going from that and bringing it down to the D.C. level, can you give us as kind of your first official unofficial statement as uh, the the chair of the Federation here in D.C., can you give us a brief state of the D.C. Federation of College Republican Union right now? Uh, Is it stronger now than it's been? Are the things to improve upon? What are some of the things you're looking at and getting involved with in terms of just goals for the next year? Yeah, the former, I'm gonna start with the former chairman,
2: uh, the guy before me, Hunter Wilson, who was the chairman of the DC Federation last year. And he really did a great job. And he set up my term very well in that he made a website, dcfed.gop. He made a win red so we could actually raise money for the first time. And he did something that had not been done in the past years before him in getting the different chapter chairs together, right? Say, so, hey, what are we working on? What are our initiatives? And so even before I came in, he had set us up for success. And so then by the time I got there in June, we already had uh, myself and then the three other chapter chairs who were ready to play ball and who were saying, okay, we know each other, we like each other, we trust each other and we all have active chapters, right? Everyone coming to DC who wants to get involved in politics, who leans right is in this organization. You know, they're intern in places, they know folks. How can we support them? And so the couple of initiatives we've focused on were we made a campaign committee right off the bat and we appointed people from every school onto that and said, hey, we're going to organize phone banking. We're going to look to organize deployments. And we've done that. Uh, I think we, we supported Ryan Fazio up in Connecticut in our first phone bank. And that was great. We made a couple hundred calls in just one afternoon, which was amazing. And then we said, we're going to make a you know, series of social events, right? That happy hour, that brunch. We're going to get people who are in DC you know, we have an advantage over other federations and that we are just very close to each other where I can get from Georgetown to Catholic in about 25 minutes, you know, traffic uh, considered. But we can actually do these meetings in a way that most other federations are not able to. So we said, we're going to focus on that. And then the third thing we decided to focus on was creating a pre-law network. So we said, hey, there's a bunch of people who are going or who want to go to the law school route, who share our values. Let's get them together right? And let's build this brain trust at the college level that's going to last going down the road. That'll say, hey, we're going to help you study for the LSAT. We're going to get you in touch with you know, Republicans who have gone through law school, who know the system, who have a sense of how that works, and be the support system for them. So it's a mix of the political and the community side
1: in building this really
2: strong organization.
1: Now, uh, speaking a little bit about the uh... Uh, quality of the makeup of college Republicans. Uh, there, are, there are obviously a lot of complaints from the right about uh, college age liberals. You know, they are snowflakes looking to be offended, always on the next SJW crusade, et cetera. But there's also a lot of criticism from liberals about college age Republicans, that it's it's all sizzle, no steak. They want to fight for the sake of fighting <laughs> more than they want to hold any coherent ideology they're, you know, provocateurs just for provocation's sake. Uh, what say you about this criticism? Do you think it's entirely unfounded, something we need to work on? Uh, what say you?
2: I've seen two models that, you know, and this is nationwide. See our college Republican chapters tend to either go the firebrand bomb thrower road, right, where you have really controversial events and you try and make, you know, the libs cry, uh, as is as often said. Or you can go and say, hey, we're going to be a constructive actor on campus and we're going to try and say, hey, here's who we are. Here's what we believe. If you want to learn more, come to us. And at Georgetown, we've taken the latter road, right? We could have gone either way. And I think just looking at the Georgetown student body and, and what we were trying to accomplish, we said we'd rather invest in building a really tight knit community and having serious events, right? That are that are thought provoking, that are interesting. And we've not seen a turnout drop. So that, that's the worry that I think you normally get going that model is that, hey, if we just have, you know, we had a senior researcher from the Manhattan Institute come to talk about criminal justice reform, that nobody's going to show up. We had the opposite. We had a bunch of people come out, right? And so I think there's a way that you can do it where you both get, you know, interesting content that just run-of-the-mill college students want to come see without alienating 75% of the school, which is what often happens if you bring in someone who is just going to rail against the left. Plenty of good reasons to rail against the left, right? They, they do a whole lot yeah. that's not good for the country. But there's a way to approach people who don't agree with you. that's not, you're so stupid and here's why, but is instead, hey, I know you have a real sense of wanting to do good and change the world, right? And that's what a lot of college students, I, I think, are really there to do, right? They believe in certain causes, they believe in certain ideas and values. And you say, hey, we have a better alternative, Right. We get where you're coming from. We, we share your sympathies about how America can be better, how we can improve opportunity for folks. Here's how we think we should do it. And if you want to learn more, we will talk to you until the sun goes down. And that's really worked for us. And just getting new students in and diversifying the club, right, getting a new generation, I think, of serious and thoughtful Republicans to come in.
0: Well, you're walking a fine line, but it sounds like you're balancing everything out quite well. Um, Given the fact that you still got good turnout, you're bringing a guests and you're pretty, you know, and as Reagan said, you know, big tent, you know, somebody who agrees with me 80% of the time is still my friend. So it seems like you're really living up to that idea. Now, um, before we kick it off to our fun section for you, I want to know about Virginia. That's the top of everybody's mind right now. We've got less than a month to go for the gubernatorial race, as well as all the constitutional officer races, all the way down to delegate seats. Uh curious to know what your plans are, both as a federation and a chapter to get involved in Virginia, help out, knock doors, phone bank. That's really, you know, oh, yeah. do or die right now. Same with New Jersey as well, but New Jersey is a little bit farther. Virginia is right across the Potomac. Curious to know what you guys are doing over there.
2: Yeah, and I will say one, one thing to close out on the CR's end before we jump into that. We had at Georgetown our first uh, board meeting. And we had to introduce the board to the general membership. And we had every board member put up their favorite Republican, just to give you a sense of the diversity of chapter. You got everyone from Madison Cawthorn, Donald Trump, over to Mitch McConnell, Chris Christie, over to Liz Cheney, John McCain, Mitt Romney. You got this whole apparatus working on the same board, which makes for a really good time. And it's a really representative uh, movement of the party, just in capturing the diversity of thought and saying, hey, what do we all agree on? And how do we move on that to convince people? But shuffling over to Virginia, like you said, you know, Yunkin's doing a great job. Uh, he's a great candidate. He's an absolute rock star. Good guy. Obviously, success, successful businessman, right? In, in just a thousand different enterprises there. Seems like he knows who he's doing. He's someone that a lot of college kids can get behind, right? Because they see him and say, hey, this is a guy who's serious about winning, who's serious about improving Virginia, right? And who we can really give our time to support. So we've done a couple of things there. We've got these weekly phone banks at the Georgetown level. And I think that's happening at other schools as well. And then we're planning a deployment to go down in later October. And so we're looking to go down there to Richmond at the end of the month. And we're going to door knock in that area for a weekend with the National. And that's in coordination with them. And then we're looking at other ways to get So we've gone and done phone banking for some local candidates in, in the Virginia House Delegates, and that's been productive. And so trying to find that balance where you're getting college students to engage, but also engage in a way that's productive and that has an impact. And so that's what we've really been focused on is saying, Hey, how do we get the most bang for a very limited number of student hours that they're willing to give to this? And that's been our
0: focus. Not only that, but the clock's winding down and we're in the final stretch of the race over there and all eyes are on there. Every single beltway publishing has got his eyes on it. Polling's coming out every day, showing it's a dead heat. So again, it's going to be up to the waters and CRs to get out there and uh, really try to put Youngkin and the whole team over the finish line. So um, we're running up against time, but again, this is our next section. It's a fun section. We ask uh, pretty much the standard questions to all of our guests to kind of get their take on a various different things. We're going to give this to you uh, in under a minute, uh, hopefully. Uh, so Ooh. again, with no time limit. Does it
2: matter? Let's do it.
0: Yeah, it's going to be a lightning round <laughs> here. So I'm going to give it to Mateo, and uh, he's going to put a minute on the clock. And he's going to ask you our rapid fire round. So
1: Favorite fast food chain? Wendy's.
2: You heard Wendy. Favorite (laughs) local restaurant
1: in Virginia. City
2: Sliders on the DC end.
1: Favorite brunch spot. Cafe Leopold. If you're at a bar or restaurant with your friends, what's the appetizer you order for everyone at the table?
2: Ooh, wings or nachos. Favorite
1: sport and or team. Hockey, used to play it, uh, and the Rangers. Song that you last played on your Apple Spotify list.
2: Rolling Stones, Sympathy for the Devil.
1: Uh, Post-COVID vacation plans, if you have any.
2: Wanna get back down to Florida? Can't go wrong,
1: classic. Last movie seen in theaters. Ooh, jeez. In theaters. That's that's a while.
2: Oh, what was the Green Book? I think
1: it's called. Uh green Favorite book? Monument in DC. Teddy, Roosevelt. Okay. Wendy's? <laughs> nice. <laughs> Wendy's? Yeah, Wendy,
2: Wendy's is always good. Never let down with Wendy's. The frosties are better than anywhere. Your settled for me. Your favorite is
1: mediocrity. Like <laughs> no, I can no. make I can make it a pb and J sandwich and it'll always be fine. Oh, it doesn't mean it's my just, favorite food.
0: No, I'm gonna come in on Brady's no. side here. Wendy's is Wendy's is actually top notch. Wendy's
1: district. is fine. Yeah. Okay.
0: It's no, awesome. Wendy Wendy's doesn't get the
2: Wendy's doesn't get. The is this some like northeast girls. nonsense? Top notch. <laughs> well, it, it's some you know east coast elite. <laughs> yeah. It, co- <laughs> the Wendy, Wendy, Wendy's the in Wendy's coastal liberals. Wendy's.
1: <laughs> when, oh, wendy's man. frosties are that i i do think the frosties are what they have on everyone else sure. i will fully i will fully fess up to that
0: and we're also easy you get winner potato yeah. i mean where else that's true
1: that's true you want a fast food baked potato though <laughs> i mean it's good <laughs> yeah. at wendy's they're decent at wendy's
2: anywhere else i don't want a fast food baked potato that's it's, it's got a food trust that you don't yeah. get it like mcdonald's like mcdonald's I don't trust what's coming out of McDonald's kitchen,
0: especially. To, oh, I mean, they don't have yeah, that's
1: not, that's not an opinion I can afford to have. I <laughs> I need my, my Mickey D fries. Uh, <laughs> any, any, thanks for coming on. Uh, like any shout TV. out you I want to give to folks anywhere. <laughs> Anything our listeners should know. Oh, about gotta the be Federation?
2: To Girlfriend Laurel. Yeah. Shout outs. Girlfriend Laurel. Mom and pop back home. Little sister also at Georgetown. Avery. She's a freshman here, which is great. And then social media, big one would be D.C. Republicans, the D.C. Fed, Georgetown, Georgetown Republicans, uh, and the website's dcfed.gop. If you want to come check us out over there, see what we do.
0: Sounds good. Well, thank you so much again for your time, Brady. Uh, you know, it's going to be fun for when the Providence College Friars come down to D.C. here and beat Georgetown on home <laughs> turf down in the Capitol uh, One Arena. I look forward to that day. I look we'll forward see. to seeing you we'll there. We'll see. But again, uh, a lot of great work. Well done, (laughs) sir. Uh, Look forward to seeing you at some upcoming events. Don't Uh, I feel old and enjoy the rest of the night. Yeah,
1: God. Wow.
0: Jesus. You know, it's it's a completely different world than it was when I I was in college. I, I graduated shortly after the 2016 presidential. I graduated in 2017 and you know, what college kids got to deal with today is not what I had to deal with. Same as you, I bet.
1: You know, I, I mean, I was lucky. I went to a very, very conservative school. But I, I, I know so many people where it's just it, it, politics is truly seeped into our lives in a very unfortunate way. But it's it's good to see good people doing good work, fighting for what they believe in.
0: And not only that, but good moderation, too. You yeah, know, I, I think we have a tendency to get into our own camps and really wage out all yeah. total war on Twitter. But Brady does a really good job of really going about it methodically, going along, finding that golden mean to, you know, bring everybody in together. So not not people aren't getting pushed out. So I thought he really did a great job there. I think he is, you know, a bright young man, got a great future ahead of him. Uh, He's also nice as all could be. So for 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 George Georgetown fan, I don't know if I'll be saying that again come big east season but well we'll
1: touch base with him in three to four years after the world has beaten him down weathered him up a little bit
0: yeah you know maybe see the jaded horns coming out of his forehead yeah it'll be the look
1: look how far you've fallen
0: <laughs> one of us, us. one, one, of, one us. of us one of us well that's it for this bonus episode of the podcast thank you all for tuning in whether you're a yrc or alike. like uh, make sure you're following us on our social media. The podcast does have its own Instagram page at district download, but feel free to follow the DC at our socials on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We also have a website. So make sure to check that out. Mateo, anything else before we wrap it up?
1: Tell your friends about the podcast. Name, name a mouth. time Name a time you got a podcast recommended to you by an algorithm. Then you clicked on that podcast and if you- mouth people. Come on.
0: And if you got somebody who's going a long train ride or long car ride, maybe to a wedding or graduation or, God forbid, a five-year college reunion, recommend this podcast to them. It's a good hour, sometimes 40 minutes, 45 minutes, depending on the week. But uh, it's a good listen. We want it to be big. We want to get the word out. So please help us in that effect. So we'll see you next time on next week's episode. Take care, y'all.
1: See ya.